Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionised over 20 million bedtimes, with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cosy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get them the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, f***ing geek. I, I'm f***ing like geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. Daniel Barge here. Uh, host of the Los Angeles City Cast um, and a, uh, a woman of many talents and great WNBA handicapper, which uh, we're going to do a WNBA pod in the coming weeks, and I'm very excited. Uh, my wife and I are going to go to a bunch. Of, we have plans to go to a bunch of uh, Aces games this year and, and really keep track of it. And you, we want to take the boy. Well, I, my oldest son, Dimitri, is still kind of a potato, so he doesn't really understand what's going on. But <laughs> we're going to take Diego because he's really big in basketball. What's what? Well, what's going on? How you been? Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm seriously coming off of March Madness right now, and it was doubly hard the beginning this year because I was also watching the women's games. And fortunately, I didn't start watching the women's games till we were more like in a Sweet 16 situation because it just doesn't get interesting till then. Uh, but it was a lot. It was a lot. So I'm coming off that, and now of course we have NFL draft coming up, which I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to pay no attention to because I'm going to be prepping for WNBA, like you mentioned. So I'm I'm pretty burnt out right now, but I'm I'm re- getting my second wind. Yeah, my my second wind came around like I, by like the last I'd say like the last ten days of the NBA season. I kind of saw like the light at the end of the tunnel with the playoffs, and I was like, can, like, can we get this going? Like, I like the NBA as much as the next guy, but it's also it's the first 82 game schedule we've had in like forever. So like that was part of it too, where I'm just like, Jesus, like, let's get this going. You don't think 10 games is a big difference, but when it's 10 times 30 teams, uh, it makes a massive difference. So I feel you, I feel you, but well, if that's uh, how anybody else feels, by the way, there's only 30 plus games in the WNBA. So yeah, uh, yeah. well, I can't wait. I'm actually really excited because uh, I, I like talking, as you know, I like talking WNBA with you and uh, I'm really intrigued by this year of it actually was keep an eye on the draft and everything too. So uh, I am very much intrigued by what this WNBA season is going to be, but 
Uh, we have a play-in situation involving an yes. L.A. team. We also have drama involving another L.A. team. And because I'm a Clippers fan, I want to start with the Lakers, actually. Yeah. And get this out of the way. Um, and I will just say, I, I can't remember, and I apologize. Are you like a Lakers tried and true, like usual as like 99% of L.A. out there? No. No? no I wouldn't okay. say so. Right. Probably shouldn't those... say that given the podcast I host, but that's facts. No, no, you're you're an independent journalist, right? You you do not take sides. Uh, and uh, yeah, the the Lakers fans they stink, and the arrogance, Danielle, of this franchise. <laughs> Can I just say this? The fact that the report, first off, the fact that Frank Vogel got fired was ridiculous. Like it was his fault. Uh, yeah. But on the heels of that, the report that comes out yesterday, early today. That they are targeting Nick Nurse of the Toronto <laughs> Raptors, one of the best head coaches in the NBA. Why in the world would Nick Nurse even think about going to that, yes, I'm going to say, a train wreck of a franchise in the Los Angeles Lakers? Oh, man, I hope Jeannie doesn't hear this one. Uh, yeah, it's a mess. And what coach wants to go there, right? Monty doesn't want to go there. Ty's like, mm, I'll take the Clippers. I don't care if they're considered the little sister in L.A. teams. I, it's just, it's, it's really... Who wants to go work for an organization that they're pulling the strings? It was actually funny. I think I was listening to another podcast. It might have been the the low post one, and they were talking oh, about Kevin Pel- it was Pelton, right? Yeah, was and they're talking about how there's this line in this article, and I remember reading this too about you know when they benched Russell Westbrook in a fourth quarter and how he had clearance from the organization to do it, and then you're like. You need, you're the head coach. You need clearance from the, and this is the kind of thing that's not, and they were talking about basically how it's not a desirable position for someone. And it is kind of sad because the Lakers are the brand that they are. Uh, But it's also, even beyond that, it's also LeBron you're dealing with, right? Like GM LeBron too. So why would you want to come in as a coach and do this? Except for, you know, Vogue gets to leave. He won a championship. He's, he's good. He's all set. Yeah. And yeah, he, um, he was a big reason why they won that title as well. The way that they were playing defense. Uh, yes. It's, you know, humans and I were laughing about it on the edge the other day. It's like changing the tires on a totaled car. Like, congratulations. It's the last thing that you needed to do at this point. Uh, there's a lot of other issues, including that the front office has essentially handed over the powers to clutch and allowed them to just run the show. And like, that's to me, I don't know how you feel about it, but like, that's like, I, I say it's, it's a train wreck of a franchise, but like. Before, they had all those young players, and they didn't know what to do with them. They weren't winning games or competing in the postseason. LeBron decided to grace them with his presence to get a title out of it. And one of the key pieces, and Frank Vogel gets kicked out because the team can't build a proper roster around what he wants to do. Um, but I just, if they're going to continue to go down this path, I just, I have no idea how they turn that around. If they're going to continue to do the same things that they do consistently with that front office and the decision making. What do you think about LeBron saying, oh, I'd love to play with Steph? Like, right. We know that's just like fodder and stuff like that. But that's the kind of thing where you're like, you're just like, are you like a kid who like you made your bed? And you're not happy with it. Mm, I'm going to say this now. And it's or maybe I'll go back to Cleveland. Like you make all of these little things. And it's like, this is a situation you guys kind of put yourselves in and traded away all your defensive players, by the way, from that championship team. So I don't think was anybody shocked. It's funny. They're such short odds. Right. So everyone's talking about this is a huge disappointment of a Lakers team. But when Russell Westbrook was brought over, a lot of people were like, I don't know if that's the guy we wanted for this mix. So now are we shocked that it didn't really play out well? And yes, there were injuries. There was continuity issues. There was all these other issues. But that came in. We didn't think that was necessarily going to work out. And then you're trading away all your defensive players. And what's Frank Vogel going to do with these guys? I mean, you put him in the worst possible position. So it's definitely not on his back here. And I just think it's hilarious that we're even talking about this. And I love, I mean, you know what he said after when they asked him, oh, have you heard anything? But um, 
Yeah, I don't think any, I, from the looks of it, from the outgoing of the season, you look at this and you go, oh, it's Anthony Davis, it's LeBron James. It's kind of maybe similar to when you see Shohei Otani and Mike Trout on an Angels team and you go, mm. oh, this is a great baseball team, but they're not. And it's different, obviously, because in basketball, maybe two guys can carry you a little bit more so than baseball. But I just think it's surprising that we had such high hopes for this Lakers team given on, we know what the construction of the roster looked like at the start of the season. You hit home with that Angels reference. I, uh <laughs> As an Angels fan, uh, the uh, the uh, I have I have a theory that there are seeds of discord being sown between Mike Trout and the uh, the franchise, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, 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 well, he's got to play more than fifty games. Let's start with there. He's got to get healthy, Mike. Okay, that's fair. So, uh, <laughs> so last thing on the Los Angeles Lakers, as we kind of look at this overall, I'll just ask you: uh, it's it's not Nick Nurse. So I, I would expect like David Fisdale is going to be the guy or something like that. Like, and I think it's insulting to head coaches too. I think Lowe and Pelton hit on it too. Like to just bring in a guy and tell him like, Oh, you're lucky to be the Lakers coach, you know, yeah. come on in and just do whatever yes. we tell you to do and not allow them to do anything. I think Fisdale's a better coach than that, but it does seem like writing on the wall. I would just like, if I'm putting money down on some of these props that are out there, Fisdale would be the, pri- the, the play for me. Yeah. I mean, you're way more versed in coaching than I would be. And I also like to make a point to be like, I'm not, an NBA head coach. So it's not something that would be my expertise to talk about, but I do think it's interesting that some of the discourse you'll see on Twitter, I've had people pointing out who would take that Lakers job. And it's like somebody who likes money. Oh, yeah. I don't know. And like, you're not inheriting a bad roster. You're inheriting an old roster, but there's not like, this is not so far away from being a championship team, right? At any given moment. And that's what's so frustrating. That was what was so surprising to people when they didn't even make the plan. So um, as far as the coaching decisions, I'll let them deal with that. But frankly, it sounds like I could make a better one. So. Yep. All right. Well, you mentioned it. Let's talk about the real team in LA. Uh, the one that's been competing <laughs> for titles the last few seasons. And, and that would be the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, who now have a shiny new toy. Well, it's not really a shiny new toy, but it's a healed up toy. Paul yeah. George back in the lineup. And, oh, I thought uh, you meant Norman Powell of uh, no, UCLA. <laughs> Nor- I love Norman Powell, but uh, I don't know how much you follow. Do you follow players on like Instagram and social media? Uh, some, not he, many. Like, I, I was following, like I saw his Instagram and like he can't, like for a week straight, Danielle, he's tweeting out like eyeball emojis. Like he's going to come back any day. Like it was like two weeks straight. And I'm like, he was, Tweet out the eyeballs when you're coming back, dude. I don't need you in an ice bath with the eyeball emoji. And then you don't play for two straight more, like two more games. So I anyway. also abuse the eyeball emoji on Twitter, so I, I can relate. Oh, I'm down with it. Uh, but <laughs> I just don't don't do it when there's nothing gonna happen. Like that's it's ridiculous. Um but, but Paul George healthy. is back. Yeah, Paul yes. George is back. They're healthy. Uh, in the last seven games, they are five and two against the spread. Yes. Non-garbage time minutes. They have an offensive rating of 124. Uh, they have been awesome. Now, I would say that if you actually like parse through the opponents they have played. Four of them are 18th or lower in defensive rating. Two of them, Milwaukee and Phoenix, rested all of their guys and did not mm-hmm. play. So I think there's some fool's gold in those offensive numbers. Uh, but what have you seen from the Clippers and namely Paul George and their offense? Because that's been their biggest problem this year. Like, what do you expect from their offense from what you've seen and in coming into this matchup with Minnesota? Well, we talked about this back in December about how much we loved this defense and how it was looking even without Paul George. I thought it would take a bigger hit when he went out, frankly, and it didn't. So, yes, the offense being the obvious issues to address. They bring in Norman Powell. He plays a couple games. He's out for the whole thing. You're like, oh, we just keep getting so close. And again, continuity, similar to what the Lakers had with injuries, right? But now that Paul George is back, the game he comes back, right, completely goes off. Not the kind of game you see from a player when they're coming back from that long of an absence. Uh, So that was already a positive sign in that step in that direction. 
And then we've seen him continue since then. Even seeing him against the Kings on Saturday was really nice to see, especially because how many games back now? What, five for him? I think similar mm-hmm. for Norman Powell. So you start to wonder, oh, you know, is conditioning an issue or any of those situations? But I don't think it is. I think that they are hitting their stride at the exact right time. And there's even, you know, the chatter about like, will Kawhi come back in the middle of this playoff run if they actually can make it happen? And it's not obscene to consider because it's something so Kawhi. Kawhi would do that. Uh, But that said, they're doing so well without him. Like this is the same team from the Western Conference Finals, right? Where they were dangerous even when Kawhi went down. And so I don't know. It's it's interesting because now we have Paul George back. Maybe that addresses the offensive issues. But I don't think they were as big as we think they were. They went kind of on a skid just as of late. It seemed like it kind of got a little bit messed up. But I think that's more to do with continuity than anything else. It, it's looked like at least. Um, and that's what's actually really exciting about this matchup is you have someone like Ty Lu, who's going to be able to, I liked actually, I think I forget where I heard this as well. This on a podcast, someone referenced like the Clippers can basically like do a hockey rotation because they have so much depth and so much veteran talent. And so um, Paul George being back, of course, it's the missing piece for them to actually be a team worth reckoning with in this, in this play in and the playoffs really. Yep. And I, I think, so what I think what they do really well against Minnesota or like, that's going to be a problem for Minnesota the Timberwolves have a problem containing dribble penetration. If you yeah. look at these last 10 games, they've given up 34% of opponent attempts have come within four feet of the basket. Opponents are shooting 77, 76% on those shots, so it's not good. You're giving up a high volume, and you're giving up a high rate as well. Um, and if you go back and to that Jazz series where, where they beat up the Utah Jazz, the Los mm-hmm. Angeles Clippers last season, the game plan was dribble penetration, kick it out to open shooters. Dribble penetration, kick it out, ping pong it around till you find an open guy and hit a three. They can do that against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like I've got, I've got a Timberwolves plus six ninety five to make the playoff ticket that I bet before the season started, mm. and I, I have, I am actually very nervous about that. Like I bet the no uh, at circa to get off of it a little bit because with Paul George, even without Paul George out there, I just think the archetype of LA with the way they want to play offense, it might not be consistent once you get into a series like Phoenix, if that's going to mm-hmm. be the case, or you know maybe against the Memphis Grizzlies. But I do think in a matchup like this against Minnesota, it might be a little bit of a problem for the Timberwolves. Yeah, and I also, it's weird because when I've been looking at my NBA games and I've been making picks throughout the season, obviously foot off the gas a little bit these final 10 games or so. But I've been looking a lot at recency. So when I'm looking at cleaning the glass, I'm looking at like the last six weeks or things like that. And so when I look at the last six weeks, like Minnesota, huge, huge improvement, right? Fourth in efficiency differential, fifth in points for 100 possession, fourth in effective field goal percentage, but defensive, very much a middle of the road team, which is what we've seen from them all season. The Clippers, I think have had three acts so far this season. They had that opening act. They had their middle part of their season and kind of the end. And what's kind of stayed pretty state is that defense, right? But even in the last five weeks, fifth in defensive effective field goal percentage. So I think that they're going to give Minnesota, I think they're going to give Carl Anthony Towns a really, really tough time. And that's the big question. Who's going to be, who do you think they're going to have on him? So I liked the idea and I think it was in the low podcast and they've done this before too, uh, which is like Nick Batum, like initially just man up on him and then, you know, throwing some different looks at it. Cause like Zubach is kind of going to get beat up on that end of the floor and they're going to go after him. So you can start a possession with Batum on him. But more often than not, like even in those two series against the Dallas Mavericks, every possession, Luca was like, no, 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 no. Like bring Zubaj's guy over here. We're, we're going to get him involved. And, and so you'll you'll get those possessions. But I think kind of going back to something you alluded to, which was, you know, Ty Lue choosing to go to the Clippers. Ty Lue is a good coach. Like it's like yeah. the uh, the Joker meme. I'm tired of pretending like it's not like Ty Lue is a good coach. He has done a really good job. 
and he is a game plan and adjustment whiz. Yes, they get these big in-game. deficits sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, sometimes they're in these deficits, but he adjusts so well, and he makes changes that gets them right back in these things, and he's going he's gonna to be ready for them, and whatever, he's going to throw different schemes at the Minnesota Timberwolves. They'll see different possessions, like on a possession-to-possession basis. They'll see de- different defenses every single time down the floor, and they have the bodies to do it because while they might be undersized, which is I think that's going to hurt them, mm-hmm. but they also got a bunch of six, seven dudes. So you can do whatever you want with them, right? Like you can you can switch everything. You can double. You can do all these sort of things and not really be in a bad position either way. So I think what they do defensively and how they kind of uh, negate their size disadvantage because they are at one. They're not a good rebounding team. Tyloo is going to be really key in winning this game. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I was thinking that when I was looking at this matchup is that there's that's the coaching advantage to me, absolutely, especially because he's able to make those decisions on the fly. And he has so many great pieces to work with and veteran pieces. Um, and even just talking about what did what was the one thing one move they made? Norman Powell, right? Pretty much mm-hmm. was the main big move, and that was where they've been slouching, right? Is their offense. And so you bring in this great perimeter shooter who Paul George can kind of work off of. Um I think it's going to be really, really good for them. And so it's going to be interesting because, again, with those two guys, both just about five games back, and it was in like games that almost didn't matter. Um, so I'm interested to see how it's going to shake out for them. I need to see that their defense is going to get a little bit more back on track because I feel like the Clippers' defense has slid a little bit as they've been trying to figure out their offensive rhythm of things. But I do think what they're going to be able to do effectively against the Timberwolves, too, is create turnovers. Um, the Timberwolves... Maybe, you know, maybe in at least in the last six weeks, not so great at taking care of the ball, 19th and turnover percentage and then 20th and offensive rebounding. So it was surprised to hear because I haven't been following the Timberwolves closely this whole year that this is a pretty good offensive rebounding team. Not good on the defensive rebounding, but in the last couple of weeks, 20th and offensive rebounding. So the Clippers, not necessarily the team I think of with rebounding as well. So where are there the holes that they can kind of make this happen? And for me, I think it's pretty simple. I think the Clippers can just create those turnovers and they love points in transition. They want to get out and shoot a bunch of threes or whatever they can. So I like the Clippers here and they're getting points too in this matchup. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. Because I, 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 your your point about the offensive rebounding for Minnesota is, is is a strong one. Lately, they haven't been great. Season long, they, they have really good offensive rebounding numbers. Mm-hmm. The Timberwolves want to do two things. They want to get second chance points, yes. uh, which the the Clippers troubling is that they get they were dead last in second chance points allowed per game at 15. Um, and they want to get out and run, which means it goes back to kind of our original point here. If this inefficient version of the Clippers offense shows up, that means defensive rebounds and sprinting for the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is not very good. Uh, but I think ultimately this turnaround in offense is good. And I think the point about them defensively is great because if you go back, you check their game log uh, from March 9th to April 1st. We're talking about individual defensive ratings uh, game-wise for the Clippers. 113.5, 122, 121.2, 121, 132, 119, 126. So, like, it's not really good uh, for about uh, almost a month stretch there. So. I am hoping the consistency is going to be there for the Clippers defensively. And you would think, because this is the other part about the Clippers, you got a really young team on the other side of the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is our first time on the stage. Carl Anthony Towns had a, a very big game against the Denver Nuggets at the end of that Jimmy Butler season, which they won and ultimately got to the postseason, but they got beat up in the first round as an eight seed. So he's played like, you know, some playoff games. But this is a really young team versus a Clippers team that's been to the postseason each of the last few years. It's coming off a Western Conference Finals run, like you said. And they're a bunch of like they're just a whole bunch of older dudes in the NBA that kind of know how to do this thing. And like the more this has gone along, the more I've kind of talked myself into. I think the Clippers are going to win this thing, which sucks because I've got the Pelicans to make it to the playoffs at plus four forty, and I've got the Timberwolves to make it at almost seven to one. And I think that one of them is going to. I think one of them is going to get eliminated because this Clippers team with Paul George coming back, they're going to be the fly in the ointment, as I keep calling them. 
Uh, just to play devil's advocate, if the Clippers did lose this game, I think that's a bad situation for them to be. I don't like the matchup with them as much against versus the Pelicans. Uh, yeah, you know, because that's a good point because they do they are still alive, and you're right because the weaknesses in terms of rebounding are magnified against the Pelicans because the Pelicans, yeah. I mean, they're starting Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanciunas. That's six ten and seven foot in that front court, and while they're not good at protecting the rim, I mean, they get second chance points like crazy. According to Cleaning the Glass, they average thirty six. It's like thirty six point three points per one hundred missed shots. Like it's it's insane what they're able yeah. to do, and I would agree with that. Now they did beat the Pelicans what like about a week ago or so, mm-hmm. uh, but the Pelicans haven't been at full strength, and Brandon Ingram's been missing, and and that's been a pretty big thing. But that's I would say I would agree with that. As the much Clippers as I have to this play game. this like a game seven essentially, which is weird because I've been handicapping it's like it's a series too, and I'm like this wait it's yeah. one game. Yeah, it's hard, and I and I gotta say too, I mean. I would say, and this is just the the positive the positivity leaking out from me as a Clippers fan. <laughs> I don't want to say that the Suns would lose that series, but I don't think the Suns exactly want the Clippers to fall to the eighth spot. No. Because if you go back to that series, the value really changed everything for them in that series. But the Clippers were uber competitive in that series for a team that had just block, lost no. their best player. Yep. It, like I don't know if the Suns are sitting back and going, ah, Clippers. We're moving no on to the next No big deal. Round. We don't care. Yeah. Yep. So it's in everyone's best interest of the Clippers win this game is what I took away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd be happy either way. It's the emotional hedge, right? Except for, be for happy your future regardless. ticket. Exactly. Uh, all right. So, okay. So I'll ask you this then, because we're kind of along that topic. Uh, we'll, we'll end the Clippers with this. Uh, to you, Clipper ceiling is what in the postseason? Is it bold to say Western Conference? Is that bold? I, I, I would need you to back it up with the reason as to why. Is that like Kawhi Leonard comes back, they win the play-in, they beat the Grizzlies? Because I don't then you're know talking... if they need Kawhi. It's interesting because, obviously, I host the LA CityCast. I watch the Lakers and the Clippers religiously throughout the season as opposed to a lot of the other teams. So that does give me deficits looking at the other matchups for sure in some ways. But watching this Clippers team overcome what they did this entire season, whether it was injuries, player personnel, uh, having a bunch of role players to work with, and Ty Lue creating what he did. That's why it's hilarious when you look at the Lakers, the other side of the coin here, and people go, well, they had injuries, and AD missed this many games, and LeBron missed many. Kawhi and Paul George weren't playing all season for the Clippers, and they're above oh, yeah. 500. So I, it could be just like some kind of false hope in this Clippers team, but what they've been able to put together, and when they added Norman Powell, I was like, ooh, now we're cooking. Now we're yeah. cooking. And we knew Paul George was going to come back at that point pretty much before playoffs, and then it was Norman Powell got hurt. He's going to be back before playoffs. I've felt good about this Clippers team in playoffs since end of February. So, yeah. yes, there's the Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi comes back, what does this team do? And, yes, what is it like coming back in playoffs after that much time off? What is I that going to look like? I will say – to your to your Western Conference Final ceiling theory, because I don't necessarily disagree. You make it as the seventh seed. You play the the Memphis Grizzlies, which you're not going to get run Doable. off the floor there. You're going to play them Doable. well. And yes, it's a winnable series potentially. And then think about what the next round would be. It would be either a Utah Jazz team who you mm-hmm. eliminated a season ago, or yeah. the Dallas Mavericks with a potentially hampered Luka Doncic who had to carry a team through the you know a series against the Utah Jazz. But I also, I'm high on the Mavericks. So, all right, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting too excited. <laughs> uh, I think I'll, I told you what you wanted to hear, which is it's not good probably. That's, the fan in me is very excited. I don't know if you can tell. Like I get really, I love the NBA playoffs. I'm excited that this is going to be a lot of fun. The Clippers I always introduce great. you on my podcast. Can't wait to get JVT back on, Clippers fan and also senior NBA analyst. 
That's right. That's how I love to be it. That is my label. I wish I was telling Bill 80 to put that on, but uh, he left off the Clippers fan part. I'll bring myself down when I watch the Angels play the Marlins later today. Um, <laughs> all right. So Clippers, the game in the bag. Uh, let's talk really quickly. Actually, any, do you have any, I'll get your thoughts on this. Do you have any NBA hot takes into the postseason? You, do you like a team? You, you mentioned that you were kind of focused on the LA team because, you know, you're the LA City cast, but mm-hmm. are you looking at anything Eastern Conference, Western Conference, anything at all? God, that we have Eastern's way more interesting, huh? Yeah. Um, it's pretty fascinating. I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan. I like the okay. heat. I like the heat. I think I'm going to be rooting for them. Um, I used to be a Sixers fan. I say like, I, I like the Sixers. I liked, uh, Aren't you a man. West coast person. Yeah. But I, I mean, yeah, but I also grew up watching the jazz because my dad coached at Gonzaga as a grad assistant and John Stockton played for the jazz. Now okay. John Stockton doesn't play for the jazz. We don't watch the jazz anymore. So it's a very weird fandom I had pretty much. It's more of a Gonzaga fandom than anything. So I didn't grow up with a specific NBA team. Yes. The warriors. That's who I would go to watch, I guess, in person. Um, and I root for them and I'm excited for them, but I'm pretty neutral when it comes to NBA. I like all the teams and it makes me, I think a better handicapper too, because I'm not emotionally invested in any of these teams, but I think the East, Eastern side of playoffs is a lot more interesting. I like the heat here. I know they're one seed, so it's like, that's not that exciting. Um, I think it's interesting that Charlotte made it in. I I wasn't expecting that, actually. Uh, I just don't think I'm rooting for the Bucks in the East. I think that's the team I'm not rooting for for some reason. I just, I'm not as invested in that. I'd rather see something. Maybe, I think I became a Heat fan when they were in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, I want something a little bit more exciting, I think. And I know Giannis is pretty exciting to watch. Uh, the Bulls being in there is, I think that the Bulls are, I mean, they're struggling as of late, it seems like. So oh, I think that that's going to be trouble for them versus the Bucks for sure. Um, but I definitely think the Eastern side is a lot more interesting because the Suns seem like the clear-cut team to be in the West. Yeah. And the, and the Curry thing, I find it I find it amazing. I was talking about this on that radio hit that I did for ESPN Las Vegas today that was uh, you know, the market's like, that. You know, 220 for the, the Warriors. And then you read Kerr's quote, and he's like, Dad, it's – Hey, we're going to be cutting it close for Curry on game one. I'm like, okay. Like we're just, Marcus just rolling with the fact that Curry's going to be fine. Like, I'm just not entirely sure about that, but uh, you're, and you're right about the sign. I got him at seven to one to win the NBA finals. And I, uh, they're better than they were last year. That is a, uh, yes, a very big fact. Um, all right. I was surprised really? too, how quickly the Suns were able to do this. Like it, it was oh, like, like the bubble. The I feel like around. in the bubble, yeah. we were talking about Devin Booker. Who's this Devin Booker? Like if you never watch NBA basketball till the playoffs, you're like, who's this Devin Booker kid? And now here we are like, oh yeah, the Suns. No, no question. I'm t- I call, I called Chris Paul. He is, I'm sure I'm not the first person who's called him this. He is basketball Midas. Everything he touches turned to gold. Like it's he's true. A, he's having a renaissance right now. It's so I mean, fun to watch. It's crazy. Like he got shipped off to Oklahoma City that year, and everybody thought like, ah, oh, he's done. Like Danielle, Washed. I don't know if you remember, we were talking about his contract. Like we now talk about John Wall and Russell Westbrook. Like how, like oh, that's a that contract. Nobody like wants he's that. elderly, right? Yeah. And then he takes the Oklahoma City Thunder that year to the playoffs. They lose in the first round. He get traded to the Suns, and look at what they've been. And, and it's not just him, but he's he's such a big part of it. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the turnaround has been incredible. It's been really nutty Fast. for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Um, all right, before we get you out of here, uh, quick, real quick look at the WNBA, just cause to pique my curiosity, uh, sure. WNBA draft is today, uh, fever with four, is it four picks in the top, whatever? I, I'm just more right, curious. Yeah. Like I'll ask you this is because as we watch, cause you know, full disclosure, I've, I've watched more NBA than anything. And I've been Shocking. watching more WNBA lately, especially because I've been talking to you about it more. Um, but I'll ask you like the transition for these, these women and these players from Mm -hmm. college to the WNBA, is it like the NBA where they're just playing? Like, I mean, there's some of these women and and players are playing basketball since they breathe. 
Yeah. Right? Do they transition as quickly? Because these rookie classes we've seen in the NBA have caught on so quickly, and they're so freaking good. Like, I'm curious, a team like Indiana that gets all these young players, how effective will that be in a first year? It's going to make an immediate impact. The WNBA season's weird, too, because you think about it, like, the draft is right now, and these players right. are still finishing classes. Like, well, they, that's like, what I was still... I was going to ask you that, too. Like, doesn't the season start in, like, three weeks, and you're barely like, getting a team right now? And the, what, what, in the NBA, you get you get three months of pre-draft prep, and here it's like they're still finishing classes. And also add to the fact that you have to finish your classes as a women's basketball player because your future is not secured. Even if you go right. early, they've, they've literally drafted players and cut them so quickly, um, which what, what are we doing? Why are we doing that? But, yeah, I do think you're right. I think that almost because there's no pause, these guys can get right into this transition. They go right into playing this basketball. And also – there's something about these WNBA players when they're playing overseas. Now, this isn't going to apply to the rookies who are coming out of college, obviously, where they're just in better form, it seems like, because they're never really taking time off. They're playing all year. But as far as making an impact right away, I think what's interesting is 88 names, I think, submitted for this draft, 144 total players in the WNBA, and 88 wow. players submitted their names for this draft. There's only 12 teams, right? Uh, I think only like a dozen or so players were invited to the draft for this. So what's cool about the WNBA right now is there's so few teams that the best of the best is the only players that are getting added at the top here. And yes, that happens in the NBA as well, obviously the cream of the crop, but it's a lot deeper right now. It's like, these are the top 10 players. They're going to make an impact right away. You think about Sabrina Ionescu. I mean, people are saying we haven't seen a lot from her since she was drafted, but she got injured and things like that. Um, I think that the WNBA is going to, you're going to be able to see those talent effective, especially at the Indiana fever lever, because I know that when I talked to you last year, when I started to handicap this, I told you uh, the worst teams in the WNBA are the Atlanta dream and the Indiana fever. And they are the highest percentage of mid range shooters. And I hate it and I hate yeah. it. And why are they doing it? And so the talent that they added already, I mean, Indiana fever added Lexi hole from Stanford. Who's an incredible three point shooter, incredible defensive player. Uh, they already added two bigs as well. Like they essentially did almost a full rebuild, which they needed. So I think that especially on a team like the Indiana fever, you're going to see immediate results. And I even tweeted out to Wes Reynolds, Indiana fan said, your fever is looking good. Oh, I mean, it West Indiana, anything, the guys, <laughs> it's incredible. And the, the depth of knowledge on Indiana, anything is absolutely nuts. Uh, all right. Danielle Avari, uh, let us know everything. LA city cast, when it comes out schedule, what you got coming up and uh, what's going on. LA city cast comes out Monday, Wednesday and Fridays. Uh, we have Dodgers baseball. That's obviously kicked off angels. Luckily I don't have to talk about the Lakers anymore, but we have Clippers playoffs to talk about. So lots of things on my schedule. And I am going to put a lot of WNBA in the podcast because we don't have a lot of people who talk about it. So there's gotta be a location for it. It's something that I always say too, it's a handicap and watch what you enjoy. I'm the best at my basketball betting by far this year. And I think it's because I enjoy doing it. So I'm definitely going to focus some time on WNBA as well. So lots to look forward to. Well, and let's, uh, let's just say if you're complaining about WNBA coverage, first off, uh, I don't even know, grow up, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> stop being a knuckle dragging weeb. Uh, actually, weeb's not the right term. Weebs are cool. Uh, also, I mean, if you can make money on it, it's, it's fucking worth it. So yeah, it's a, it's uh, a niche market, right? That's what they yeah, call it. It's a niche yeah. market. That's a sharp, there's a lot of Sharpies moving those numbers. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Daniel, good to talk to you. And then we'll bring you on. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. We get a full WNBA season uh, preview. Cool? Yes. Sounds exciting. Right.